Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. Emergency Podcast. Who's your hysterics? Emergency Podcast. Our guest. Emergency Podcast. That's right. It's our first ever emergency podcast, I believe. Things are <laughs> dire. The fan base is a, is just on fire. And when you need a Hoosier fireman to come in and throw kerosene on it, you bring <laughs> in a former Big Ten Player of the Year, a Hoosier who grew up in Terre Haute, Indiana. He played for the general Robert Montgomery Knight. He was on some of our most favorite teams of the early to mid-90s. He played in the NBA. He is our guy, Brian Dutch Evans. Dutch, how you feeling today? Good day, fellas. It's a good day. Good day for you? No, it's uh it's a tough day, but I'm happy to join you guys. I have you know what? It's been a while. I, I thought maybe for a minute there, I thought maybe you guys had lost my number. I wasn't sure. <laughs> uh, but I'm back now. I'm back, baby. Well, look, I want to set the stage a little bit for some context here. About a month ago, you went on, I believe, the number one radio show in Indianapolis in the greater Indiana area, JMV and talked about your thoughts uh, about the Indiana University basketball program. And you were honest and fairly raw, and it was in the wake of a bad loss. It was in the wake of Xavier Johnson nut-grabbing uh, <laughs> in, in that game, and no no punishment came for him, which, which drew the ire of many people, uh, both online and behind the scenes. And those comments that you made caused a bit of a, a firestorm in the Indiana fan base. I think it ripped the Band-Aid off for a lot of fans who agreed with you and felt catharsis by, you know, listening to your words and, and then feeling like they could share their own. And the truth is, since that time, things have only gotten worse for the Indiana men's basketball program. And so we wanted to have you on because it has been a tumultuous week, to say the least. The loss to Northwestern at home, losing out on Derek Queen, a recruit that we thought we had a really good shot at, and then just getting boat raced by Nebraska at home. But before we get into all of what you're feeling right now, I do want to just remind people of a very important thing, which is what Indiana basketball means to you, Brian Evans. So, and I'm not just talking about like today in 2024, I'm talking about for your entire life. So I'm just going to ask you a simple question and let you go. Brian Dutch, how much do you love Indiana basketball? Uh, um, an awful lot. Um, I've been a fan as, as as long as I can remember. I I don't have so I was born in 1973, and we moved to uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, in 1976, 
and um, I no no memories of the undefeated, um, but but I do remember uh, Landon Turner and Isaiah Thomas and Randy Whitman. Those are those are probably the first three names that I can remember um, as as a young basketball fan. Um, and you know, I went to Coach Knight's camp. I, I don't know. I think Steve Alford did. I don't know how many guys did that. Like I, I went to Coach Knight's basketball school three different times. Uh, as a young kid and, you know, bought T-shirts, you know, with a, with a small budget, bought a couple T-shirts, uh, camp T-shirts that I still own. Wow. We still have at the house. Um, I had a, had a great T-shirt. I can, I got a picture of it. I can send this to you guys. You could throw it up there. It Please. says, all I do is eat, sleep, and drink Indiana basketball. I got that T-shirt. Mm-hmm. Wore it all the time. So, just, I, I mean, borderline junkie. By the time, um, you know, I it, it was tough to get through the Dockage blob era. Um, that was probably the time that I was struggling the most as an IU fan. Um, but once Steve Alford came around, uh, brought new life. And, I mean, I was a huge fan of that team. Um, just you guys have heard me tell a couple stories about me and my buddies would do a NCAA draft night and, and auction off teams, and none of us had any money. And they'd run up the the cost of Indiana, you know, 10x on me, and I'd have to, and I couldn't not buy Indiana. Um, <laughs> the, the time they got me the best was, I want to say, after 80, it was 86, and I was, what, 13. And I spent, you know, $17 that I didn't have to buy the Hoosiers. And they lost uh, to Richmond in, the, I think, the first round. And and I swore at that time, I'm never going to buy them again. I can't buy them again. Sure enough, I did. <laughs> I bought them the next year and I won the pot, which was awesome. Um, but no, man, I'm as big a fan. I mean, when when Season on the Brink came out, I, I was the first person in Terre Haute to buy it. I'm sure I was. Read the book. It didn't. It it didn't even scare me off, you guys. I I didn't scare me off at all. I just I just loved everything about Coach Knight. I love what it stood for. I love the candy stripe pants. I love the court. I love the nostalgia and the uh, everything about what it stood for and the tradition uh, behind the program. And and those are you know, and and just wore the uniform with a, just a ton of pride. Loved it. Just loved. I remember the first. Oh gosh, my red shirt freshman year. So this would have been like October of 91. I remember we had an inner squad game that was sold out. I mean, just think how cool that is. Yeah. Red and white game is sold out. And I can remember coming in excited knowing I'm, you know, I'm, I'm maybe the 12th or 13th man um, at the time and coming in and seeing my, you know, in my chair, my stack, my uniform, my, my, you know, the whites, the stripes, the jacket, and just stared at it, stared at it for a a while. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't Hmm. believe it was mine. Hmm. So it's continued guys. I mean, you know, it's a looking back, the five years I was there is kind of like a, just a, a flash, you know, that happened really fast. But then I went right back to being a, a huge fan, you know, I had a different viewpoint of it. You know, now I had ex teammates that were still there playing for coach. And certainly when I was in the NBA followed, you know, all the games as closely as I could without, you know, cell phones. 
and being on the road a bunch in the NBA, but, you know, I found a, you know, a, a different, um, you know, a different normal being a fan that's kind of already seen behind the curtain and, and knew all the names. And, you know, then, you know, Chuck Crabb and Don Fisher and Tim Garl and, you know, the list goes on of all these, all these names that are just unbelievably, most of them still there. Um, and just to realize that I became a part of the, the fabric um, is, is amazing. I still pinch myself. I, I, I still can't believe I got to do it. So here we are. That's, that's my, that's my look back. Yeah. Well, we love it. I mean, you know, you, you were like us, except then you got to be them, you know, that, that is just a tremendous thing. You've told the story on the podcast of how you never really committed to Indiana. Coach Knight just told you you were going to Indiana, but when that was a reality for you, when Coach Knight was recruiting you, when you were in the conversation and that was a possibility, do you remember, like, pinching yourself? Like, could you believe that this thing that you grew up loving, you were actually on the precipice of joining? Um, you know, you, know you, you probably have a decent little ego at that age. You know, I was just turned 17, I believe, my senior year. And when that when that happened, it was it, it was it was really hard to believe and, and to think that he was going to come to my high school to watch me in a workout. Um, it happened so fast. It, I mean, there was there was really no notice. You know, it was like Ron Felling saying, hey, coach is going to I'm bringing him back tomorrow night. You know, so it, it, there was no there was not a lot of build up to it. It was just like it's here all of a sudden. Um, I was ready for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I look back, I'm like, that, that is the coolest story. I don't know how that happened to me, <laughs> but I, I do know this. I never, um, and I think this is different than most guys. I think it's the combination of not being a big recruit and maybe not getting your, your butt kissed. Like some of the, the big recruits do right as sophomores and junior. I was never trending, you know, <laughs> I was never the guy. So when when he came along, when that whole thing came along, I was just so thankful, and I was never bummed out. Like when I was playing for him, and when I was there, and times were tough. And believe me, they got tough a lot, you know. And looking back, it's like, were they really? Because we we won a lot back then. <laughs> but but my last couple of years, I mean, we ran into you know tougher patches where it wasn't real pretty. And we weren't the same team that we had been my first couple of years. And that was tough because I was captaining these teams and felt a lot of responsibility um, for our play. And so, you know, um, but I, but the whole time I, mean, I was not the guy that got, you know, I didn't need a lot of pep talks. You know, I wasn't thinking about transferring. I, I didn't have any rough patches where I, I wanted to be anywhere else. I, I still, I was still a huge fan and just, I still couldn't believe I was there. I still couldn't believe I had the uniform. I loved it every time I put it on. I'll never forget when you shared that even when coach Knight was yelling at you, it didn't bother you that much because you were just so happy that he knew your name. <laughs> you know, I think, I think that's where we all would have been standing where we, you know, six, seven, six, eight and had athletic talent. Um, how have you dealt with 
let's just say all the regimes since Coach Knights. We've seen quite a few different coaching regimes come through, some longer, some shorter, some more successful, some less so. Um, how, if at all, has that affected uh, how you feel about the program, how you cheer for the program, how you talk about the program? You know, I, I, I love the program, you know. Um, I have forever. I want it to be, uh, you know, even when I was there and we weren't winning, when I said we weren't winning, we, we didn't win a championship. It was never good enough, you know. We, you know, it's not like I feel like I played during the glory years and I'm looking down on the on the program today. That's not how I feel at all. I felt like we failed the program hmm. um, just by not winning championships every year. And we haven't had one in a really long time. And, you know, but we've lost, certainly I feel like we've lost the relevance that we always had. We did have it back then. Uh, we, that, that doesn't mean you win a national championship every year or a Big Ten title every year. But we, we certainly mattered. And we were on the radar for sure. And we're always ranked. And, you know, we knew. And a lot of this had to do with Coach Knight. Let's not be. Uh, let's be honest. I mean, him coming to town was a big deal, you know? So I think every team had circled Indiana on their calendar. That's a, that's a, I look back I and mean, it seemed normal then. And now I, I think about it because you, you hear us, everyone talk about how it's hard to win on the road in the big 10. You know how hard it was to win on the road in the big 10 when Bob Knight was your coach hmm. real hard. I mean, the place was alive, electric, you know, he, he walked, it was awesome. He walked into booze. I mean, loud booze everywhere we went. Penn State joined the conference, didn't know us from Adam, and they, they caught on quick. First time he took the court in, you know, Penn State, it was loud booze everywhere. He just, there was something about him, right? Everybody, he was a guy everybody loved to hate. And deep down, most of the time they admired him, but you know, it was fun. I mean, we got to go places and just kind of be rock stars and booed and hissed at, and it made it that much more fun if you could win on the road. And, um, you know, just to have been able to be a part of that with him is just, I still, I just can't believe it. All right. Well, let's cut forward to about a month ago. The season was not going very well. And look, it's no secret. We've had you on the show several times over the last few years and for the most part, I think it's fair to say you've been underwhelmed with what you've seen as as the product, and so have we at many times. We were happy to be back in the tournament, thank God. We were happy to have a guy like Trace Jackson Davis, who was an All-American, um, but obviously it wasn't the success that that everyone wanted, including Mike Woodson, who when he came in said, I'm here to win Big Ten titles and national championships. So what spurred you a month ago to – go on radio and, you know, open up and be the way the Dutch can only be? Well, I, I, I think just frustration. I, 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 I haven't been happy with a lot of what I've seen, and that's gone on for a while here. Um, last year, I wasn't through. I mean, Trace just, I felt like, just raised us up, raised up the level of play of the team. 
and made everybody around him better, which I don't, I don't take that lightly. That's a big deal. I, I, I can't even think of more than a few people that raised the level of everyone else's play. And I actually think he did that last year, which is just amazing for that kid uh, to have done. I mean, bird always did it. Magic always did it. Um, MJ didn't always do it, but last year, Trace Jackson made everybody around him better, which was pretty cool. So I, I know that just to interrupt you real quick, that did surprise you a little, right? Because like early on in Trace's career, I think we all were like, he seems pretty limited. You know, he doesn't seem like he's playing as hard as he can. And then his junior and especially his senior year, he was a different player than what we saw early on. Is that fair to say that that, that, that he, he changed your mind a little bit about him? Yeah. You know, he was, just, yeah, it seemed like he was on a mission, you know, and, and, and even though he stayed, which was really kind of phenomenal, he was still pretty limited in, in some areas, mm-hmm. but the, it, meaning shooting obviously. And, sure. but, but where he was good, he got great. Like he, he was so fast off the, his second jump faster than anybody's anybody not named Dennis Rodman. I mean, he was so fast back off the floor. How many, how many shots of of his own did he dunk, miss and then dunk? Right. That, that I, I don't see anybody else doing that. He got great at him, um, and yeah, he was never he was never going to be a three point shooter. That's okay because he could run the floor like better than anybody. Uh, but he but he he kind of grew into I I feel like a leadership role where guys relied on him, leaned on him. I don't I don't think he had that earlier in his career, but he, he certainly had it last year. Um, and it was a, just a really impressive season by a player as good of a season um, kind of reminds me of Calvert 93, just, you know, wow, this guy's better than everybody else. And he had that kind of season and, you know, you don't win national player of the year, um, you know, from where we were in the conference and certainly against Zach Eady. Think about it. A lot of that's just the luck of the draw, you know, yeah, you know, Alan Henderson won the Big Ten Player of the Year. Had a great senior year. So did Sean Respert. Had a great senior year. So a lot of those things are out of your control. But Trace had a Player of the Year type of season, uh, which was amazing. What was the What was the original question? I don't I got lie. Why. The, the, the timing of of JMV, and I I think it's important of of you yeah. that because we we discussed it in the aftermath that you did that and pretty much everything you do publicly, including this right now is coming from a place of love for the program and what you honestly think is best for the program. Yeah. Thank you. Well, and that's true. Thank you, Warden. That, that is, is very true. And, and that, and that's not fun. Right. So, I mean, I don't get any personal satisfaction out of uh, being honest and talking about where we're at when we're at don't look very good. Right. It's not, uh, it's not like I'm trying to be controversial. That's not my, it's really, we joke about it with you guys, but that's really not who I am. I was frustrated and I felt like, you know, I, I was prepared to answer the questions and I thought he asked a couple good ones and the ones that kicked up some dust were, you know, where it came from for me. I, when, when I feel like Xavier was, was hurting the name on the front of the Jersey, there is no name on the back for a reason, and we everyone knows that. But if you if you're gonna damage the name on the front, that's 
that's just crossing the line for me. That's a problem, you know, and then when you've loved it as long as I have, and it's someone that's, you know, here for a cup of coffee or two that, you know, that didn't grow up around it, didn't love it, you know, necessarily, but, but came here for whatever reason. I, I don't want to see guys like that, uh, tarnish that that name and that brand and it so that's kind of where it came from and i i just had a a real strong feeling that he wasn't going to be disciplined that he wasn't going to miss time that he wasn't going to be suspended that he would be in the lineup and that i think that's kind of what made it boil over for me what was the blowback for you personally did you get uh response obviously there was a ton of response just in media other media outlets covering it within the indiana community social media was on fire about it um you personally uh what it feel like uh, you know, not, not anything crazy it, almost like any other day i mean i i did i i got some texts um well, i'm sure more than a few i i got i got word from people right like buddies of mine are like bro what's going on what'd you have for breakfast bro i mean just dumb <laughs> shit like that um but not not that much and i'm not on you know i, I don't do a lot of the social media stuff that you know most people do i, I didn't see a lot because i'm not on x and i'm you know so i didn't you know a couple of screenshots eric i think you may have sent me the you know, there was a little bit of a frenzy going on, um, but I'm not, I'm not looking, and I and I and I know. I mean, I know what I said, and I know that it, there's going to be people that just are are so offended. Uh, but for the most part, everything I heard was, you know, a lot of a lot of former players and friends of mine were like, you know, expected it from me, meaning they knew I wouldn't be afraid to say what I really felt, um, and I and believe me, I wasn't trying to go scorched earth or whatever people like to say that's not what i was doing i i just answered the questions and you know because it's a topic that so much so many of us care about me included it's you know a little bit of newsworthy i wonder in the time since uh things haven't been going great i'm i'm sure you've probably noticed uh, whatever was going on then, it's it's definitely gotten worse. Uh, I'm curious about what you are hearing from, and I, clearly you won't give specific names, but uh, former players, other just big fans of Indiana basketball that you're friends with, clearly a lot of them in, in these times, I'm sure, are are asking you for your opinion and also sharing their own what's it what's it like out there eric and i are out here we're seeing what's going on online but you're you're there in indy you're there where the biggest fan base of indiana fans are and connected to former players and managers and you know people that were inside the program what's what what's the scuttlebutt is everybody kind of over it uh, there's a ton of i think a ton of frustration and um just just not a good gut feeling you know I, I think what i said when i was on the on the radio a month ago you know a, a real straightforward question but a tough question do, brian do you think the program has peaked under mike woodson and that and that's 
a tough question, right? And I and my gut feeling is that, that yes, it had. I, I I'd love to be wrong, and I and I and I said I, I'd love to, you know, come on the air and apologize and eat the shit sandwich and say yeah, I was wrong. I I I want to be wrong, people. Right. <laughs> I, I'm not. I want to be wrong. I but at the at that time time date stamp i i just didn't think that things were going to get better i really believe they were going to get worse and i think they have um you you have ghosted us and you've disappeared again but i did want to just comment on i believe you're wearing what what is your undershirt that you're wearing right now under that quarter zip of yours uh oh did i lose you look at that I mean, we got an Indiana shirt on. We got an Indiana shirt on. I mean, you are a fan. Um, here's maybe a, a another, and now he ghosts us again, just back to anonymous. Um, you have a legacy as a former player at Indiana. You were a former Big Ten player of the year. We don't have all that many of those. You guys hold a special place in the hearts of Indiana fans. People remember that. Woody is a former star of Indiana. He is, like you, a legend. You you are Hoosier legends. What is going on right now for any Hoosier legend the, has got to be, in my opinion, difficult for the person in that position to realize that this thing that you were beloved for you are now being crushed for, um, and and maybe deservedly so. But can you at all put yourself in the position of your legacy being tarnished? And do you think that is what's happening now? And what's your take on that? You're talking about Mike Woodson? Yes. Or, or me? Being no, no, no. I'm saying you're a former life. player you could probably put yourself in his shoes in that if you had felt like your legacy was being tarnished for whatever reason, how would that affect you? I'm just trying to try to, you know, we don't have Woody on the show. So I'm trying to get in the mindset of somebody who is a legend beloved. When you show up to Indiana, Brian, people love you. They talk to you. They want to, they, they just want a piece of you. Same with Woody when he returned to Bloomington before being the coach, but now yeah. it's a different sentiment. And can you, help us understand what that might feel like. And also as a fan, you know, Woody was on that team right before kind of your formative team with Landon and Isaiah and Tolbert and Whitman. Mm -hmm. But how does it just make you feel as a fan to know that one of our own, one of our legends is being um, crushed right now? Yeah, I, I don't like it at all. And, and, you know, I mean that I, I don't, I don't know coach Woodson at all. Um, but I've known his name my whole life and you know, has he been in Bloomington the whole, no, he, but, but he's, but like you said, he's an Indiana legend and I don't like that for him or his family. And, you know, and that's part of where we are today. That's puzzling is, and, and even, uh, Quinn Buckner, Yes. You know, who's, you know, sits on the board of, is, is the head of the board of trustees 
Um, and, and I'm starting to see his name get drugged through the mud a little bit as uh, he's what Mike Woodson's best friend and he made the hire and, you know, he needs to go. And you know, I don't want to read that Quinn Buckner needs to go and Mike Woodson needs to go. I don't want to read that stuff. Those are, those are, you know, legends and heroes of Indiana basketball. That's what's tough about all this is, you know, when, when the hire was made, you know, more times than not, I mean, just pay attention. You, you get hired to be fired in sports, you know, <laughs> and nowadays it's the, the, the triggers quicker and the fuse is shorter than it ever was. You know, look in the NFL. I mean, guys are coaching for one season and getting fired. You know, that was a huge risk that was taken to, to bring back Mike Woodson. Um, because what if it doesn't work out? You know, are we going to have to hire, are we going to have to fire and tell Mike Woodson to go away. Is Indiana right. basketball, that's tough stuff, man. That's yeah, look tough at, stuff. And look I, at Patrick Ewing uh, at Georgetown. Yeah. I mean, it was as ugly as it could possibly be, you know. Um, yeah, and I hated that. And I and I grew up, you know, not rooting for Georgetown, but really a big basketball fan. And the Carolina-Georgetown, you know. But, that, you know, that's 40 years ago I was watching that to see that they're going to have to, tell pat ewing to pack his bags that just sucks and you know it just does and again i don't have to know i didn't have to i don't i don't know pat ewing and i don't know mike woodson and uh, i know quinn but i i don't want to see our our fan base you know telling those guys it's time for them to leave that but you know what you're in these important roles and you know over the top overarching is we all want Indiana basketball to be great again. That's what we all want. And if we feel like something needs to change for us to have a chance to be great again, that's what we're all going to want because we want Indiana basketball to matter more than anything else. I think at least anybody being vocal in any way, shape, or form online, like the, the defenders are virtually non-existent at this point. Not just about this season, because this season is for all intents and purposes over. Like we're we're well, we're... we could win out, Ward. <laughs> we could win we could out, win every game. Like I've days. been saying for the last three <laughs> losses, we could win each one of them. Right, oh. Dutch? Dutch is frozen. Dutch is frozen. Or just dumbfounded by your take. I was fake frozen. I was fake frozen. <laughs> could we technically win every game? Yes, we could lose every game too. But yeah, anything could happen. We got five more to play. Anything could happen. Yeah. So it's like, what are us Hoosier fans to do? We want, like you, like anybody associated with or cheering for this program, we want to have a team we love. Yes, that usually involves a good amount of winning that we we were we were at least raised that way. But I think Eric and I feel it. I think most people feel it. Of well, we we don't believe. I'll, I'll let me just speak for myself. I don't believe this is headed in the right direction, not just for this season. For for a program that we want to see back in the top 10, back in the elite of the elite programs of college basketball that at least has a chance to win the Big Ten title 
and maybe every few seasons, the kind of team that could make a run in March. How do we how do we try to provoke change without hurting the program? I don't know. I, I mean, I could sit here and think it's my turn to talk and, and come up with some long-winded answer. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, let me we ask you this. Like, we don't want to be – and just like you, nobody want. I mean, there's some trolls. Nobody wants to be out there ragging on this and saying it's not working and it's not going to work. But at a certain point, you just feel a conviction like that's where it's at. It hasn't been working, and I don't see a scenario where it will be working next year or the year after. And I th- I think that's part of the frustration is is like, especially for most of us, we we really don't have any way to affect it besides, okay, we won't give to NIL. We won't go to games. Um, we will say something shitty on Twitter. And that's all like, oh, God, I'm, I have to actively, like, hurt my program because I think that's what's going to make it better in the long run. It sucks. Yeah, I, hey, I, there's nothing cool about this. When, when you start feeling hopeless um, and, like, we're not getting better, we're getting worse. And, you know, I think now you're looking at, there's effort problems and effort issues. And, you know, you got to start wondering if he's lost the team. You know, you, you hear people say that he lost the team. Um, I don't know that he has or hasn't. I'm not close enough to, to see. I'm watching on TV like you guys are. I haven't been to any games. But I, I think when you, when you see us down by 20 in the first half to a team that has no Big Ten road wins, man, that is a – huge red flag and it makes you say gosh did he is the message whatever message he's got I don't you know I'm not there so I don't know what the message is but is it getting through and I think at this point in time you got to wonder yeah well I don't wonder like it's either the wrong message or if it's the right message it's definitely not getting through and I'll have to say I did. The game was spoiled for me last night. I came home. I knew the shit sandwich I was about to watch for 40 minutes. And I just kind of like just took my lumps because I'm an Indiana fan and I'm going to watch every minute of it win or lose. But to see him ripping Gallo in a timeout after Trey, who, you know, having a good game or bad, like Trey is always pouring his heart out on the court. And trying to keep up with that kid last night who's just shooting and slashing and getting everything done that he wants to get done. Like, I don't know. That that really bothered me to see him going after Trey when Trey is the last person on that team I would accuse of giving anything less than 100%. Yeah, I didn't, you know, I did hear people talk about it today. I missed it. Um, I, was that in the second half? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I got to admit, I, I missed the first half of the first half, picking up my kid from basketball practice and came home. Didn't feel the need to start to start it <laughs> that I could have rewinded, started from the top. I didn't do that. Um, but I wasn't watching super close, to be honest. I mean, when you, you know, when it was 20, I, I wasn't 
you know, on the edge of my seat by any means. And I did not see that. Um, but I did talk to Joe Hillman today and he, and he saw it and he brought it up and he said, you know, Woodson was going after Trey pretty hard. And he said, Trey just kind of walked away like almost dismissively and, and he wasn't attacking the kid. He was just like, I wonder if he's the message is, is being lost, you know, right. like if they, if they're tuning him out and I didn't see it. So I don't want to talk about it. I didn't All right. Let, I want to play devil's advocate a little bit for you here. You know, you talked about how you don't want to see people calling for Woody to be fired. Like he's in Hoosier legend. Like that's not a good look. Um, same with Quinn Buckner. You don't want to see that. What do you say to someone who says, but Brian, you going on JMV or coming on here and being critical leads to that environment where fans are calling for that. So how can you have it both ways? And you're a guy who should be part of this Indiana brotherhood. What do you say to that? Well, I don't think I'm on here calling for people's heads by any means. I mean, right. are you listening to me talk? I, I don't think I'm doing that at all. Um, I'm, I'm not happy with what I'm seeing on TV. I'm also, I always say when I'm talking to you guys, I'm not there every day. Right. I, you know, I know the game enough that if I was there, I'd, I'd probably have more opinions of what we could be doing differently. I don't know what we're working on in practice, you know, so, I'm, you know, you got to be around every day to really understand. But I think right now the results aren't very good at a minimum. And as though I'm not calling for anyone's head, I can tell you that I'm not convinced that this is going to get better. And I, I don't know how it ends. How's it supposed to end? It, it, you know, that was the risk when you hire, you know, one of your beloved players, like mm -hmm. what if it doesn't work out? I, you know, uh, at this point in time, here, here's where I think it's like you've got three years left on a contract and, you know, in a normal environment, th that coach's agent is going to go in and say, Hey, how's my, how's my client supposed to recruit high school sophomores and juniors? Right. You know, how, how can he sit at the dinner table and uh, tell the mom that he's going to be there? Well, those days have kind of come and gone. Let's be honest. That's what it used to be like. So that, you know, I, I don't know you're how many dinner because tables of the, because of the transfer yeah. portal specifically. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know how many dinner tables Mike Woodson's been at or any other coach. I don't need to call him out. Right. I, how many times do you go into the living room? That's that's where Coach Knight used to win. You know, he'd win in the living room. Um, you know, I heard stories about Dean Smith. He, he could win in the living room. Uh, I, that that's not that's I I think the landscape has changed dramatically since those days. Um, but you know, you've got three years left on a contract and you're out recruiting high school kids. I, you know, what do you do? I mean, is the agent calling saying, Hey, we need three more years. Uh, you probably not. That's probably not going to be very well received right now. Right. Right. You know, you're almost 500 and you're, you're on a three game losing skid and, you know, we're losing to teams that are, you know, haven't won on the road. It, it's just not a good look. I don't know what's next. Um, I know that it's a tough spot, you know, it's a tough spot. It's one of our beloved players and, and now people are calling for his head. That's not, that's not harmonious by any means. And it puts a lot of people in tough spots. I mean, uh, 
it's got to be tough for everybody within the program, you know, former players like Calvert that's there. Um, Scott Dolson, who loves this program and he's been around it uh, most of his life. I mean, it, it's just tough stuff, man. We're not, we're not playing well. We don't look good. It, that's, that's the reality. I don't, I don't have a problem saying that because it's what I'm seeing. Right. And I don't feel like I, I am subjecting myself to criticism. I, believe me. If, if somebody's critical of the fact that I'm being critical of the way I'm, what, what I see on the court, I have no problem with that. I, I know there's still going to be 20% of, you know, your guys' followers and listeners that think that I should be wiped off the face of the earth because I'm, I'm not being nice to the program. I'm really sorry, folks. Um, I care about the program a lot. We covered that at the beginning and, you know, I think we should be a lot better than we are. And if, if we're not there today, we've got to be trying to find ways to get better and to be relevant in the game of college basketball. That end period in the story. And now I'm wearing my favorite T-shirt with the Indiana script on it. Yeah. And I'll always wear it. I, I want to ask you about accountability because one of the things that pissed you off a month ago was, you, and you talked about it here, tarnishing the name on the front. And look, you were in college. You had teammates who did bonehead things. Some of them got kicked off the team for it. You know, um, you know, a lot of your teammates did other things, I'm sure, that didn't get reported. And maybe you even did some things that you look back on and go, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Kids do make mistakes. It is up to the adults in the room to hold them accountable and not allow or accept or enable that behavior going forward. And I think one of the things that is so frustrating for so many fans is there does seem to be a lack of accountability for our head coach when he goes into a press conference and throws Malik Renew on, under the bus and says he played awful. Yesterday, he threw uh, Trey Galloway under the bus, not just on the court, but in the press conference, too. And it's while he'll say things like, I want to get him over the hump, and we got to go back to work, I have not heard yet it's my fault you know i have not heard yet i didn't do a good enough job preparing these guys i haven't heard yet i should we should have made a change to our offense or defensive scheme earlier in the season because it wasn't working and that i think is something that Look, if you're winning, none of it matters. If you're winning, you can show up to the press conference, sit on a whoopee cushion, and tell everybody to go fuck themselves, and nobody cares, right? Like, it just doesn't matter. But we're not winning. And so when you're not winning, you parse words. And when you're not winning, I do think it's even more incumbent on the coach to talk to the fan base in a way that lets us know he knows how bad it is, and here are the things that we're going to do to correct it. Does Is that bothering you at all recently? Well, I don't listen to as probably as closely as you do to press conferences of, of his after games. I, I, I guess I probably read a few transcripts of, honestly, guys, maybe three or four of the games that I read because it popped up on my screen, you know, on my computer that I read what he said. I haven't, I haven't listened live to very many of them. Um, it, it does. It, I, I think, when you're struggling and, and we are, it's official. We're, we're, we're not, we don't look good right now. We've lost what nine of 13 or something like that. Um, that's when, that's when press conferences get tough, you know, and that's when 
you can almost you, you can feel that you know kind of snap back like you know he he he's sitting there looking a little more uncomfortable than he's ever looked right that's the kind of the feeling i'm getting yeah um you know he is he taking ownership i i think his 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 skin is certainly getting thin and you're listening as this this massive fan base is becoming um riled up and unhappy that can't feel good you know and when you and when you're him you know and you're this superstar here you know (laughs) i know he wants to win i know he wants us to win and so i it's hard for me to imagine at the level that i'd be affected like i I have no problem if 20 percent of your guys's fans uh would prefer i'm not on here that's doesn't bother me at all they weren't they weren't alive when i played they're super duper opinionated and they know everything and God bless them. But the, the, you know, for, for him to, to be failing right now, cannot feel good. I, I, that guy's not happy. He's got to be losing sleep over it. He's not happy. He loves Indiana. There's no question about that. He doesn't need to come on your show and talk about like I did his childhood and what Indiana basketball means to him. He loves it. And, Right now, it's not going well. So it's uncomfortable. You know, I, I, I'm not listening to him throw people. You're saying he's throwing kids under the bus. That's not good. But at the same time, you know, is that any different? Like if I had a shitty game, do you think Coach Knight would say Evans has got to get his head out of his ass? Yes, he did. He said that. Right. And but I didn't, but I didn't is, cry. No, but isn't there a difference, Brian, when you're talking about Bob Knight, who had hung three championships and won a, you know, a 10 Big Ten titles at that point in his coaching career and was considered the best coach in the game doing that as opposed to somebody who who has been here for two and a half years and hasn't achieved that level of success as a coach? Isn't that different? Like, aren't you aren't you allowed more to hold people accountable when you have held yourself accountable and achieved something. And when you haven't, isn't it harder to throw guys under the bus? Well, you know, that's a, that's a I, these guys came to play for him, you know, or that's not true. Trey did not come to play for him. And maybe that's why he walked away. I, you know, I don't know. I'm not close enough to say. Yeah, I don't. Um, I, I disagree that, with Joe that it was dismissive. I think it was dejected. I think he was tired and exhausted and was like, fuck. You know, I don't think he was like being disrespectful. I think he, he had just been like beaten up and was tired and we were getting our asses kicked. And then he just got reamed out by the coach. So that just doesn't feel good. You know, Well, so, so I don't. It's tough. I, it's it's not fair for me to say I'm not close enough to know what Coach Woodson's doing, right? So if he's not putting in the work and if he's not spending the time there that and giving every ounce into what he's doing, I, I'm just going to give him the benefit of the doubt that he is. But if he's not doing that and he's not holding people accountable or he's not holding himself accountable, that's a different story. I don't know. I don't know. I You know, it's hard for me. I, I shouldn't be guessing what he's doing from my vantage okay, point i haven't gone i haven't gone to a game okay that's fair but yesterday let me just ask this yesterday he was asked why do you think this season has got gone off the rails and his answer was his first two was or first three answers were we're young in late february we're young 
Two, we don't have our senior point guard. So Xavier Johnson is now John Stockton, uh, you know, one of the best point guards in the game. And uh, we're starting a freshman point guard. Nowhere in those three answers is it anything that he did. And even if you believe those three things, don't you as a coach at this point in the season, when your team is clearly down and clearly needs a pick-me-up, isn't that the time to take it on yourself a little bit to try to use it as a way to bolster your guys instead of saying, my freshman point guard isn't good enough. My senior point guard would be awesome, but like, here's the excuse. I can't play him, and we're young as a team. That was the answer. Like, what do you think of that answer? Well, he's a, um, you know, he's not a very good press conference guy. I mean, I, I, I've seen enough to, I'm, I'm not a fan of his press conferences. Number one. Um, I, I don't like any of that. And, you know, you had a freshman point guard last year, you know, that did a great job and, you know, and, and had highs and lows. I mean, he didn't have a, just a flashy front to back season. No, no. And at so all. You, you've had it, you've had a freshman point guard. So it's not like, um, it's, that's an unacceptable thing. You've got, you know, your the senior sixth year senior, um, you know, I, that's again, goes back to when I, when I got on the radio, I, I felt like that should have been a suspension. He should have at minimum at a minimum lost his captaincy of the team for his behavior, his repeated behavior, you know, more than one time. Um, and his plus minus, I mean, if we went and looked at that, I mean, I don't know that I'd be hitching my train to, to him if I was Coach Woodson at a press conference saying we're missing this guy. He was playing some awful basketball, awful, right. before he got hurt. So, I, yeah, I mean, it, it. you know, when you struggle and you suffer, you know, the finger pointing begins. And I don't I don't think it's a good thing. I, I'm not – beyond that, I, I it just – it doesn't look good. It's certainly the optics are are bad. You said we're not playing very well right now. It can't be very fun right now. But let's let's be honest. Even with everybody's All-American, all-time great Trace Jackson Davis and a phenomenal freshman point guard, arguably – our best since Isaiah Thomas, certainly the best since Yogi as a freshman point guard, didn't win the Big Ten championship, okay? Um, didn't get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And and now we're having this season. But but all of that even is off the heels of, of just a miserable Archie Miller era, right? So now we're kind of like in year seven, uh, let's say eight, with Crean's last year of disappointment. So no doubt all of this dissatisfaction and frustration for the fan base is compounding, but we're always able to pick ourselves up and get ready to cheer for the next game because next season it'll be better. Sometimes that's because we think we're going to have a new coach and that's where the optimism comes. A lot of people don't think that's the situation in where we're in right now. So what I think where I'm trying to find hope is if if Coach Woodson remains, which it appears he will, uh, we have Liam McNeely coming in at this point, but that's really all we know as far as new people coming in. 
you assume we are going to lose some people because that's the world we live in now. Where, in what you've seen in 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 the way we play basketball, the way this this regime is approaching the game, and the arrival of somebody like Liam, and I'm like you, I haven't watched a bunch of highlights, but he's supposed to really be able to shoot and just as an all around good basketball player, but. I, I'm really struggling to find any reason to think that there's hope that next season's going to be any better than this season, and this season has been miserable. Do, do you have any optimism that this, this group, uh, let's say coaches and whatever players come back, whatever new ones come in, do you see any reason why it's going to get better? I have no optimism. Yeah. Doesn't that suck? Yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. I hate it. But uh, no, that's, yeah, I just don't. I just don't. And I mean, last night. really sugarcoat it. I just don't. Last night's game was historic for uh, one reason in particular. We somehow got blown out twice in the same game, <laughs> which I just don't think is a uh, uh, common practice in college basketball. Um, just as a former player who wore the uniform, what do you go through when you're watching us lose at home to we get boat raced by Purdue? Fine. They're one of the best teams in the country, although you would think that the rivalry game status would mean that we could do something there. We couldn't this year. Last year we did. You know, last year we beat them twice, so let's not forget that. But this year, boat raced by Penn State at home really boat raced by Northwestern. And then at the end of the game, some silly stuff happened and we got back into it cosmetically and then boat raced twice in a 40 minute game by Nebraska, Nebraska, Penn state Rutgers, Northwestern. These are the teams that are owning us for the last several years, owning us swept by Nebraska, swept by Northwestern lost four in a row to Northwestern for the first time since the 1930s. Just viscerally, doesn't it just piss you off? You know, I did not come on here to have you guys get my blood pressure up. I I, I came on here because you begged me. You absolutely <laughs> begged. Me. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I I hate it, but I you know, I think at this point in time, this season, we've been conditioned to expect it like i when i turned it on or when i showed up to watch the game last night i didn't have a good feeling i i i our guys are going the wrong direction i i felt like since that rutgers game that's part of why i, I again i i went and said what i said i just had just a horrible feeling that we're just we're it was going to get worse and not better and it, and I think that that's how it's played out. It it sucks totally. though. It doesn't mean it doesn't suck. And when I go turn on the TV, I I feel like we lose just a little bit of our mystique every time the ball gets tossed up at half court. We're just you know th yeah, it's horrible, man. We're losing to teams that used to be day days off for our starters. Like okay, let's wax Northwestern and you know. Let's give the other guys a chance to play and sit on the bench and cheer for the guys that, you know, don't get as much, 
you know, attention. And now they're going to get on the court and they're going to play 10 minutes in a Big Ten game. We used to live for that, you know. It's yeah. our job to run these guys out of our gym. This is our gym. Shame on them for coming in here thinking they could win. Let's run them out of the game and, and let's watch our our white squad, you know, the guys that put up with, you know, coach and practice and bust their ass. Let's go watch them play 10 minutes of Big Ten basketball. That was fun. Wait, real quick. Of your four years or five years at Indiana, who was your favorite player to get those minutes? Who was your favorite player to watch? Like you were just happy to see them play. Maybe it was a little comical, but who who brought a smile to your face when you were over there sitting, toweling off, drinking some water after you guys had done some work, and now the 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 backups got in? Who's your favorite? It was e- that's easy, Pat Knight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, he, you know, he lived in that house. Um, no one will be ever, <laughs> he'll ever write a book about what that might have been like. Um, <laughs> but you know, he he dealt with his fair share of, of shit from coach, and you know, differently than the rest of us, his was a unique blend of uh, you know, getting held accountable and coach expected great things from so just pat was a good teammate and 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 he he'd be there for me if his dad was giving me the business um his locker was right next to mine he was a good teammate he was a good friend and so you know he this guy wasn't some stud he could have gone and played probably his his level of play was probably missouri valley you know Mm -hmm. and he had some schools that really liked him there and his dad really wanted him to play for for him in Bloomington, and and Pat loved his dad, and he yeah. he stepped up and he did it. That was not easy, and and believe me when I tell you, like his job as being Coach Knight's son, and you know he took a lot of shit for you know not being good enough to be there. You know, I mean he 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 got ridiculed. He took a lot of shit. So, um, and Pat was a good player. Uh, he he wasn't going to be a star in the Big Ten by any means. But to see him get on the court and, and do well and, you know, make a bucket, you know, I, I can remember a highlight. He threw a alley-oop. We blew out Kansas at home, and he threw an alley-oop to Allen. They were both seniors, and that was a great moment. Um, I think I was still on the court, so I wasn't on the sideline watching. But it was really neat, you know, to see him get on the court and do something positive. And, and Coach loved it. And then there was that, right? So if Pat came out and did something awesome, there was a decent chance we were going to have an easier practice or maybe even get a day <laughs> off. So you, I think I was rooting for Pat. Jen, I was still kind of rooting for myself. Yeah. What happened if Pat went in and did something bad? <laughs> yeah. It was not good. Yeah. Not good. Um, I want to steer it back around to maybe making a case for hope. And Eric and Rabbi and I did a pod a couple days back where it was presented to me that uh, from from Rabbi's point of view that this staff now has better connections, relationships, possibilities in the transfer portal for this upcoming offseason than they had last offseason. Uh, Eric let it be known that this staff has identified the need for guards and wings, which which was obviously a big miss in this offseason, that, that that is going to be addressed. So between them realizing there's a real lack 
of ones and twos and threes. And there is now better relationships to try to bring those type of players in through the portal. Brian Dutch Evans, let's say that happens. And we bring in a few guys like that, maybe some guys with experience, some guys who can shoot. Have you seen anything like, say, in the, the beginning of the Purdue game or or some of the games where we have played well or played well for stretches at least, have you seen maybe what what good could come from a, a, a proper roster and the the coaching, the the schemes that – is there anything that with better players you've seen from this coaching staff that could – actually be fun to watch and could get us more wins in the win column? Let me ask, because I just want to be clear, because I'm not, you know, all about our roster and the construction of it and all that kind of stuff. I hear people talking about that now. Could, could you just, I, Peyton Sparks, who else did we get out of the portal? Is that is that the only transfer we Walker. got? We got Anthony, Anthony Walker. Walker who's, uh, I got it. And – and it, well, and I mean, I let me set this up. It, well, th- with with the front line, right? Because we got Khalil, and he was he was the big score. Uh, Mac decommitted, right, from Duke, so that wasn't transfer portal, but it was it was a last second thing. So, but having Khalil um, and Mac, and uh, obviously um, uh, Malik coming back. Is we, we have this great this great front court, but with the back court we got we got nobody from the portal. We got nobody. Well, we don't have a you know I think it's 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 really interesting. You know I hear people say uh, Woodson can recruit, he can recruit, and then you hear other people saying the the roster's busted. The roster's busted. I mean, why is that? There's like two ends of the spectrum. That's the same. You're you're that's 180 degrees right yeah saying he can recruit i think we have enough time i mean we've never had a aware you know a 7-1 with a 7-6 wingspan you know we've never had that guy we, we have a talented front court yes i'm, I'm not going to bash the backcourt i mean we we're not shooting the ball well so when you you see poor shooting you think you know guards more than forwards we have enough talent to be better than we are. There's no question about that. Agreed. Um, offensively, like from a uh, schemes, offensive, I would like to see you know more movement. I'd like to see pin downs and trying to get uh, Mbako. Uh, the guy's got a lot of talent. You know, to get him in situations where. It's not a one-on-one thing where he maybe it's a tight curl to like the. I feel like if you could get him in a pin down where he's coming to the elbow, that he's a really good elbow shooter, you know. And if you recover to him, if you or if you stay on his shoulder, that's where he's good, you know. And now you you got him in the lane with the ball. He's long arms and he's he's pretty crafty in there. I just like to see him in that situation more often, um, and I don't know why he's not in that situation more often. I probably, even though where can, you know, could play the pick and pop game and knock in a three, that's great. But man, oh man, I, I would like him to be a little bit closer to the basket and, and put, you, you put the defense in, in a tough spot if you can enter the ball to him on the block. And yet 
we got him up there and he's setting ball screens for Trey Galloway, who's not shooting real well. Well, that's not, you're not putting the defense in a tough position. I mean, you're just going under that screen and you're not even hurrying to go under that screen. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, totally. you do, you're, you're not, we're, we're not putting the defense in a tough position. They're going, they're, they're saying, why are they running a, a ball screen for, for, you know, at, at the top of the key for him? They just go under it. He's not going to shoot it. Hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I, there's, there's, there's things I look at and I, but I got to tell you, I'm not a basketball coach. I don't spend my time with a, a clipboard and diagramming plays and trying to think about our offense. And I, I've got a life over here. I live with a wife and four kids. So I don't spend a ton of time trying to think of what Mike Woodson and his staff could or should or might do to be better. I don't spend any time doing that. But when I watched last night and I see a high pick and roll between those two, I'm kind of scratching my head going, well, that's not putting the defense in a in a tough spot at all. Right. Look, the truth is, I know you didn't ask me the question, Ward, but I'm going to weigh in also. We haven't seen anything in three years that's going to make you think that this team and program can all of a sudden become a spread out, guard-oriented, modern offense. The only thing you can bank on is for that is faith, which is – you know, it's the substance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. We but haven't seen it. We're not, and we're not even being told that that's what's coming. I think we all thought once Trace left town that that would inevitably be what would happen because that's where the game of basketball is. But that's what we were told. I mean, we uh, were told that. Mike Woodson said when Trace left, I've never had a guy that was a back-to-the-basket center like that where we just ran everything through him. But that's who we had, and so we had to run things through him because he was so good, especially last year. So has anybody called him out on being, you said we were going to be this kind of team? We we have. Fans have. But yeah, not but nobody, no journalist has. Yeah, no journalist like in a has. press conference, be like, and and from what I understand, it's it, that's not the priority for next year. Is like we're going to play four or five out. No, that he still wants another. Like, yeah, he wants another assuming, big. Assuming we lose Khalil, because you know the NBA is certainly looking at him. It's going to be like this idea of having two enormous guys in the lane all the time is is going to continue. And I think that's, it doesn't matter how many ones and twos you get out there. If you're still playing through the post in yeah. 2025. I agree. Uh, Brian, let me ask you this. Look, the, it's just the elephant in the room and it's silly to not even like acknowledge it. The fan base is going crazy right now on should the, should Mike Woodson be the coach next year? I mean, that is the biggest debate. And the biggest topic of conversation, you know it is. I'm sure you've been on text chains and people have talked about it with you. Um, and I appreciate you not wanting to be the guy asking for anybody's head. But I'm going to ask you a more general question. One of the things you hear from the people who are supportive of bringing him back is you cannot get rid of a guy after three years. You can't be that school that just cycles through him every... We gave Archie four years. We gave him three years. You can't do that, especially... When Mike Woodson did go to the NCAA tournament the first two years, squeaked in the first year and played in the Wyoming 
play-in game in Dayton, Ohio, which sucked, and one of the most awful games to watch ever. And we, but we won. And then last year we beat Kent State. Um, you know, a um a mid-major team, and then get waxed by Miami and got waxed in a historic way by St. Mary's. So, but people say, but he made the tournament. So what are you going to do? Let him have one bad year and then let him go? You can't do that. Forgetting that it's Mike Woodson, do you buy that argument that like you can't just move on after three years? Like, is there some magic that we don't know about that if you fire a guy after three years, all of a sudden your program is given the death penalty and you're not allowed to win anymore? No, I don't believe that. No, I think that, um, you know, you got to take a lot of different things into consideration. And if you, if you're seeing a downward trend and you, you don't believe that they can resuscitate this thing and within the, within the framework of what it, how do you win now? Right. You got to be good in the portal. Yeah. There's different ingredients now than what used to be. Sure. If, if you don't believe that you can get it done, I think Scott Dolson said this when it came to our football coach, you know, when you don't feel hope and you don't feel the fan base, like if, if as collectively you're looking at it going, this is not going to get better. That's what made him make a change with the coaching staff in, in football. Right. Um, if, if he makes that determination after watching the end of this season, you know, and let, let's just say you've, you finish on fumes, right? We've lost three in a row. What if we lost the last five? Or what if we lose four out of five? So you say we lose seven out of our last eight, and we got a coach who's got three years on a contract, who's sixty-six years old, and no you extension. Know, but yeah, yeah, you're not going to give him an extension because you lost seven of eight, and it doesn't look very good. And you, you, you two years in the tournament, and you went down. I mean, we got to, we got to be on a on the ascent, you know if. If you start declining, uh, you know, that's what's just, the point. That's, not, that's what, not good. So, I mean, if, if, if all those things are in play and then I think you got to make what ultimately would be a really tough decision, which is not cool, which is to, to, to say to one of your, you know, iconic names and legends of Indiana basketball, we don't want you to be the coach anymore. What? Because let's, let's put ourselves in the mindset of, Let's say they give him another year, okay? This is an argument I've been getting into recently. What do you need to see in year four that would make it so that it isn't just a dead man walking situation? And and I'm not talking about like style points and stuff because we're in a game that is measured by wins and losses, period. And honestly, it doesn't really matter how you get those wins and losses. Now, you can make the argument that you have to play a certain way in 2024 to get those wins. But if you're Tony Bennett and you figure out a way to play a game in the 50s and you win 25 games a year and compete, like, okay, then then you're just going to stick around for a long time. But my question is, what do you think Indiana would have to do next year after what this season has been and what last year was, which in my opinion is a disappointing season, with Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Huchifino only winning one game in the tournament and not competing for the Big Ten title, I think that's a disappointment. This year is beyond a disappointment. It is it is a disaster this year. What do you think 
the results would have to be in year four that would make you go, oh, shit, we were wrong. It's not the downward trajectory. It's actually better. He can he can exceed the ceiling that you, Brian Evans, thought he had already achieved. What ceiling does he need to hit in year four that would make you go, I was wrong, let's keep going with this, give him the extension now, and let him walk away whenever he wants to at age, you know, 70? Oh, that's a long question. Um, I know, too I, many words. Too many words. I suppose. I, I suppose. It, I mean, it would have to be a good brand of basketball. It would have to look different than it does right now. It would have to be a competitive team. I mean, we're a listless team right now. We're we get we gave up fifty-one points at home to a team that hasn't won a Big Ten road game. That's Really bad. It's the most and, points Nebraska scored in a half this year outside of a game uh, that they matched against Lipscomb. Yeah, it's bad. And so since I don't think it's going to happen, I haven't thought ahead to, like, what would I have to see? I think I'd just have to see a, a, a super competitive team, guys that are on the same page, not making bonehead mistakes and just giving the ball to the other team but a toughness and a team that is competing for a big 10 championship. I, you that, know, that's a key. That's, but that, that to that, me, that, is, it's not enough for me to say they just got to have a good brand of basketball and be competitive because you can do that and still go 18 and 13 and be right. on the bubble. That's not good enough. I think that next year's team in year four would have to, what you just said, compete for a big 10 championship. I'm not saying they have to win it, but yeah. be be in it till the last two weeks of the season. If things break no, your way, it, have a chance. You, you force me to answer that one. It's a tough question, but that that's you know, just to boil it down, it just a, a tough team that's competing for a Big Ten championship, and then you'd have to say, hey, you got it back on track, or not back on track. Well, you got I it think on I think you have to make the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. I don't think you can go. I don't think you can compete for a Big Ten championship. But I think that's 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 there's too much chance involved with that. Like, yeah, I get it. You look at four years and you didn't make the Sweet Sixteen. That's fairly damning. But at the same time, it's like, well, we lost this legendary player in a first round draft pick in Jalen Huchifino. Next year was it was really down. The next year was a disaster. But they righted the ship. They got back in the tournament. They were competing with for the Big Ten, and then they got bounced in the round of thirty-two. Like it's still, that would be enough for you to go to a year five? Not necessarily, but I'm making the argument that like to to put it on performance in the tournament is it, it would be the least important criteria of what happens next year. That is shocking to me because, Ward, I feel like we have talked about how you don't really give a shit what happens in the Big Ten. All you care about is March. Well, that's that's being too reductive about it. To me, it's like Purdue won the Big Ten championship last year and got bounced in the first round. They're going to win it again this year, and I hate it. Um, and if they lose again in the first or second round, then you're like, okay, wait, no, there there is like a, a problem there that is not just bad luck, a bad matchup. There's something kind of broken there. But for 
for where our team is at right now, where it's like not even like the NIT's not even on the table, that that if you you are actually in the upper echelon of the Big Ten and there's two weeks left to go and you might win the Big Ten, that that's a big enough improvement that I think everybody's going to be delighted and 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 push off the criteria of getting to the Sweet 16 for another season. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's a fair argument. I don't subscribe to that. I, I do think that the standard at Indiana has to be both competing in the Big Ten. I mean, I think we've talked about if Indiana finished fifth in the Big Ten but went to the Sweet 16, that's a better season than finishing second in the Big Ten, losing on the last day, and then bounced in the first round. Which Which season would you rather have? Would you rather have finished second in the Big Ten, bounced in the first round, or would you rather have finished fifth in the Big Ten and go to the Sweet 16? The Sweet 16 one, but I think that's less indicative of the health of your program, of how strong your team really okay. is. Okay. You know, and then you have to you kind of have Dutch, to what do you think? How how the team's finishing the season too. Yeah, that's fair. Dutch, what do you think? Which which of those seasons would you rather have? Oh, I mean, I I probably <sighs> You know, to, to second to fifth, there's several wins in there, right? And so you're watching, you know, significantly more losses. You know, if they were losses like we're seeing right now, those aren't fun. Uh, I, I think it's it's so it's so neat to go past the first round or that first weekend, right? That's a thrill. That's a, you know, you come back to Bloomington. There's a whole week to get amped up, and you're, you know. Yes, I think I'd take the fifth and the second round, but it's not by much. The, I mean, you you chose those two things because they're pro, they're pretty close to one another. Yeah, that's the second in the Big Ten, there's something to be proud of for that. It's you know not I, as much this year because the Big Ten's not very not very tough this year. But no, in, in a normal year, you know, if you can finish second in the Big Ten, you you went on the road you won in some good places and you played good basketball i've always said that historically i think i think ward's point was right that if you finish in the top of the big 10 and you're competing you've got a healthy program if you catch lightning in a bottle and sneak into the tournament and you know you're an eight seed and you win that first game and then you know you get or or you're a seven seed and the two seed lost in the first round and you play a 15 seed like there's all kinds of luck that plays into getting to the sweet 16 yeah. at times so i do i do believe that the biggest question is but if let's just say either one of those are the bar right like let's just say either one do you have any optimism that we can go from where we are now to that next year and i think most fans would argue no no way Anybody want to jump in on that? I, w I was going to circle back to the idea of getting to that second weekend where you're one of only 16 teams left in the country playing. Um, and I don't know. We could have a the, – there could be the alchemy next year on the team. Leon McNeely shows up, and he is this great all-around player. They get a couple other pieces around him. A couple of key guys come back. And, yes, and we could get to that, that second weekend. And it really – it makes us feel like we're one of the best 16 programs in the country. And even if it might be a little bit fool's gold, it isn't as good of an indication of what you did in your conference that season. I think we all just miss that so much 
that that you are nationally relevant if you're playing in the second weekend. And I think at this point, we would all love to consider IU a top 15 program in the country. That would be a huge improvement over the last decade. I would cut off three of your fingers for that. I mean, three <laughs> of them. Three of them. And your left foot. I would cut off all those things. If that if somebody came to me and said, "Listen, your buddy Ward's going to lose three fingers and his left foot," I, I would say, "Peg leg him. Let's go." I mean, I don't care. Call him Stumpy. Let's go. Wow. Well, I mean, I'm a lefty, so as long as you're going to do all the stuff I do with my left hand. Oh boy. Oh boy. Dutch, <laughs> is this what you came on for? You know, you guys came unglued there. Come on back. <laughs> Let's get back to business here. All right. Let's get back to business and let's wrap this up. You have very little optimism. You don't like what you're seeing on the court. Um, you you do not you 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 <laughs> you stand by everything you've said in public, and you stand by your right to say it, and you don't buy this argument that this stuff should be kept in house when you're a former player. Correct. Oh, I, that that's a silly argument in house. I'm not in the house. I don't where what house? Assembly Hall? Simon Scott? Come on. I I'm not there. I I'm a fan. I I I was a fan for 12 years. I was a player for 5 and I've been a fan for 30. And if I if I can't say, you know, what I think about what I'm seeing, then what kind of world am I living in? I, who gives I don't give a shit. If somebody has a problem, I'm supposed to keep it in-house and say, I'm supposed to just sugarcoat that we're not playing hard and we're not playing smart. And a lot of times it looks like we're not even giving a great effort, you know, but because I played there, I'm not supposed to say that. Come on. That's just stupid. I love Indiana basketball and I want to enjoy watching us win and putting a product on the court that I'm proud of. And if we're going to have a season that we're not going to be real good, then I want it to be like Tom Crean's first season where he had a bunch of little nobodies playing their asses off, trying really hard. Because you can get on board with that and going, hey, we don't have the roster, but we know what? We try really hard. We, we give people hell, and they don't like playing against us, even though they're going to wear us down and beat us. And Kyle Tabor's playing and Eric Sur's playing, and they're trying their asses off. Um, I'm, I'm better with that than five-star guys that we we're wondering if we're getting it, their best effort. I hate that. I, I don't want to watch that. And I, and I certainly don't want to watch somebody that's been in college for six, seven years who acts like he's, you know, eight year old and, and he pouts and he, and he kicks and screams and he acts up and he, you know, he doesn't get disciplined. Don't want to watch that either. All fair. Yeah. All right, Dutch, you got any, uh, the, that was a pretty good summation there. I mean, you, people had to really stick with us to get there, but that was good. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think anyone's listening after you're cutting off Ward's foot and a couple of his fingers. I think it's just us on here now. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Cause I'm not asking your opinion on what you want to happen. I'm asking your opinion on what you think will happen. Do you think Mike Woodson is the coach of this team next year? Do do I think he'll uh, come back for another season? Yes. Do you believe that? No. Wow. 
by his own volition or by somebody telling him it's not going to happen? I don't think we'll know. I, I, I mean, again, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just getting right. you're asking me. I'm guessing. Right. I, I would guess that it's something that we will, we won't know, but it, but there'll be some kind of a, um, joint decision or something where he's not coming back. And I, what do I, you, I don't, what do you think? My gut feeling. What do you think ultimately is the reason for that? Is it the anger of the fan base? Is it the lack of hope that everyone feels? Is it, you know, Woody just like, what do you think is the main driver of that? I, I think it'd just be a combo platter. Just, you know, Hey, everyone's up in arms. This has not been good. It's gotten worse. Um, I think a combo of, well, this is a hard job. You know, it's not, it, it's not an easy job and it's not. I mean, when you look at the NIL deal and how, I, cause I think that's not an Indiana thing. That's an NCAA that sucks kind of thing. It's ruining college basketball. So I think the job is hard, you know, and I, I think when you factor in where he's at in his life and, you know, what he means to the program, what he means to the fan base. I don't want to see it. I, I don't want this to get ugly and, and, I, and him to get run off, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's, it's the right time to say, Hey, let's, let's find, um, you know, th this was the bridge to the future. You know, we knew he wasn't going to coach a long time because he came in at an older age. Maybe it's the right time to transition to somebody else and, uh, I, I don't I mean, again, I'm just guessing. I don't know. But I I can't imagine we lose six of eight, seven of eight, eight of eight. And we just go, hey, let's go hit the portal. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, if there is a change, what are the characteristics that you want in the next coach? Not asking for a name, but what like mold does this person have to fill? Well, you know, this is going to get misconstrued, right? So we're we're talking, and it's going to sound like I'm I'm talking about who I want to coach the team. I mean, that this this one's a little bit of a setup to for the for the bad fan, right? For the right for the jackass fan is is going to not like my answer, and probably not going to have a problem with the question, but it's going to have a problem with the answer, right? Well, that's all I that's, care about. That's all I care, about. right? Right. I know. I know. So you're putting me out there. That's fine. I, I'm not afraid to answer the question. You're just saying, regardless of this, what, what sorts of qualities should we be looking for in a coach? I mean, yes. um, number one, I would say um, somebody that a lot of, a lot of places would love to have them as their coach. That, that's somebody that's coveted, somebody that's, that's done it and done it at a high level where people are like, damn, I wish he was our coach. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, I, I think the motor, you know, I, I, I think of the the, the job and, and what this is because of NIL, because of Transfer Portal, man, you got to have a big time motor and, you know, probably can't sleep too much, right? <laughs> probably on the job all the time. Maybe don't have a nice mix of a very good blend of home life and work life. Somebody to win in this environment, I think is really, really hard, you know, and I, and I think you probably gotta, you probably gotta have a lot of youth in you to, to go and, and be able to, to do this and tackle this. I mean, I'm watching guys walk away from, you know, some of the, the legends of the game are walking away right now. Yep. Um, 
even even a guy like Jay Wright walking away, I think that that tells a, a story. Like, man, he was he was at the top of the game, and he's saying, "Eh, I'm enough for now." That that tells me something. This is a tough job, uh, you, and, and a job at Indiana is a really tough job. Do you care about any Indiana connection? No, no, I've never cared about that. I, I just don't think that. I don't think that helps us win. I, I it, to, to me, that's not. It's great. I mean, if 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 that if we could pick and say, hey, we're gonna win. Would you rather win with a guy that is from Indiana or a guy that wasn't? I would say, well, let's we're gonna win. Let's take the guy that's from Indiana. Right. But it doesn't. But it, that that has nothing to do with it. It's like let's let's be a program. Let's build one and let's be a, a perennial winner and always in the conversation. That's that's where I want us to be. All right. Ward, you got anything to wrap this up? Can you imagine having Dutch on the show when Indiana's just like rolling? We're oh like a top God. ten team. We're gonna win the conference. We're gonna get to the final four. <laughs> you guys won't even call me at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I guess not what you used will. me for. You don't oh. use me for stuff like that. No, we want fun, happy, positive, optimistic Dutch on the show because, damn it, we've all suffered enough. We've suffered together. We appreciate you suffering with us. Um, but, damn it, this thing's going to get turned around sooner or later, and you're going to be right here with us, pal. Well, I want to be on the show, guys. And, and, you know what? It would be fun to just talk about winning big and 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 coming to play every time and and putting the smackdown on teams and maybe winning on the road someday. You know, competing on the road um, and just yeah. and just having that team that just doesn't give an inch. Right? You can lose a game on the road in the Big Ten against a good team and and not have all of us down on the team. You know that's that's possible. If we go and we go and compete our asses off and we play hard, um, it's not like we expect to win a national championship every year. It's been it's been so so long, uh, but let's be in the conversation. Let's always be competitive and and be a team that like when the ball goes up, we know these guys are going to give maximum effort. And I think that's probably that's part of what really kind of stinks right now is, you know, when when you see a game like last night, you're like, man, you. No way you're giving us everything you got. And if if we're down 51 to 31 at halftime to, to not a very good team, a team that's never has not won on the road, man, there's just there's some founda foundational problems there. There has to be. It, whether it's schematically like defense, we don't know where we're supposed to be. We don't like playing together. We don't feel motivated. I mean, there's probably you can't you can't lose like that at home. You can't get down by 20 and give up 51 points in the first half and be able to go. Yeah, we gave a great effort. That's all we had, man. We left it on the floor. As an Indiana fan, that's what I want to hear. They left it on the floor. I shoot, I had a ton of shitty games, a ton, and, and coach made me he, he rubbed my nose in it. I mean, I watched the you know the video over and over and over and over, but I was always able to sit there. I think. Say, man, I was trying to be in the right spot. I was, I was on my way. I was headed to the right spot. I wasn't. I didn't get there in time. But I think right now we're watching just a, you know, we're questioning the effort, and that's that's not good enough. 
And, and you know, I do want to hear Coach Woodson say that. That's not good enough. That's on me. I my guys did not come to play. That's on me. I didn't have them ready. You know, he was a captain of a Bob Knight team as I was, and there was games that. You know, you could look at the box score and say, oh, Evans had a great game. He, you know, box score looked good. And I had that guy in my face in the locker room, and you guys are at home sucking your thumbs in St. Louis. And, and Coach Knight was in my face because I didn't get other guys ready to play. My job was to have everybody ready to play, not just me. How? So it didn't matter if I didn't matter if I had a good game. That wasn't my job. My job was Get everybody else ready to play. Little known and fact, Eric was a senior in high school, still sucking his thumb. I was a late thumb sucker. How did you know that? <laughs> it's obvious, guys. I mean, that is, that's deep, and that cuts deep. That cuts deep. You went to a place here at the end that uh, I'm not sure how we come back from. I mean, to put that on Front Street is... That's not what former teammates and friends do. Remember when you wanted to call our front court Front Street this year? What happened to that? It lasted two two days. It <laughs> lasted two days. I made a graphic. What does that mean, Front Street? I don't know. It's like when you put something on Front Street, you're putting it like on right in front for everybody to see. Front Street. That's uh, the that's the slang, dude. Get with it. Okay. My bad. <laughs> My bad. Yeah, you're bad. All right, Dutch, we love talking to you. It's always good. Thanks for joining our first ever emergency podcast. <laughs> and, and I love the intro. That was really nice. Stuff. Did you see it? Did I didn't you like see that the picture of me, though. I mean, I look, I look horribly unathletic and weak, and tired, and anemic. Was that was my like was my iron low? What was that was just bad. Could you please come up with something better than that? Nope. Emergency Podcast. Who's your hysterics? Emergency Podcast. Our guest. <laughs> Emergency Podcast. <laughs> there you All go. Right, fellas. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.